da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. I am Kent, along with my co-hosts Richard and Brian, and uh, we're here for a little Irishman talk, so this episode we're just going to talk about Richard. So it's good (laughs) to know you, Richard. How are you, Lattes? I'm quite well over here. Um... (laughs) Yeah, I did. The, I talked about that on the show. I did. I always knew I was very Irish. My mother being extremely Irish, Marine Caliano O'Donnell and all. And then I did the ancestry DNA spit test, and it came back a hundred percent, hundred percent Irish <laughs> from the same three towns. So mm. inbred AF fam. Um, <laughs> it's a hashtag I'm working on. Um, testing on course. Yeah, yeah, I wonder if that'll yeah. catch on. Well, we yeah, we'll, yeah see. we'll see. Super popular in certain yeah. sections of yeah. the country. Yeah. yeah, it is. Good, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this movie hit home. Actually, not at all, because uh, <laughs> yeah, real. De Niro does not seem Irish guy. whatsoever in this, uh, but that's okay. Yeah, it's, it seemed very odd. He even He's, speaks Italian for a while. That's uh, I was like, part. where is the I? I was like, these guys are all Italian, very Italian. Like the, the Italian men? That doesn't really... <laughs> Really, I know. I don't know. It's great. Uh, that, that it seems like a. I guess the flashbacks of the making pasta on Goodfellas is what I, I, I keep know. thinking of, and so inherently Italian and the mob and all that. So I. I Pesci and, makes the uh, salad in this you know. one. So there's that. Yeah, there you go. And of course, the 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 Godfather, it's very Italian as well. But um, man, we're we welcoming it. Well. <laughs> we're welcoming in a. Uh, you do, you do. You, There's a you great. Often, hey, you'll love this. this when you go to the Irish, when you go to the Olive Garden together, you're when you're we're there, all, you're family. We're all family, mm-hmm. so well, we're you, all Catholic. You all just go. You you get your unlimited uh, soup, salad, and breadsticks, and <laughs> your pasta cards, and you go yep. and you hang out and you just but, enjoy some. Real some, quick, there's a line. Dips together. There's a line in the. It's perfect. I can't believe I didn't, just thought of this for the guest. There's a line uh, in the Jimmy Iovine <laughs> documentary that Mason's gonna know. Where Bono says, I've always gotten along with Italians. They're just like Irishmen, except they drink better than us, they eat better than us, but damn it, we can sing. I always love that about the <laughs> Irish people. Um, yeah. So there you go. And that perfectly segues into our guest. Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen super- that doc. Sorry. Oh, man. How dare <laughs> you? Hate it. I uh, quoted you need, Bono, you so to, I should you, win you over you with that. You need to check that one out. The Defiant ones, is that what you're talking about, Richard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good one. That's good. Oh, is that an, if that's on HBO, then yeah. I have that. I can watch it. Yep. So, uh, it's the, four parters. You should watch it. It's got some good Bono in it. Mm. How good. The guest uh, we are speaking of is Mason the Edge Merritt, who has been on the show numerous times. And, and Mason, you, you just wanted to come on this episode because you too is from Ireland? Is that really? The... <laughs> <laughs> I was. It was more implied, but you didn't have to say it. So okay. Sure. Yeah. All right. That's pretty much it. All right. Any like, connection artists, to the Emerald Isle? That's a good. That's here. good enough connection for us. It's all we need. <laughs> Pass the test. Noted um, U2 and Bond superfan, Mason yes. the Edge married. Yeah, I just came out of hibernation from the last Bond trailer, so I'm really <laughs> psyched to be back out in the world. Anything happened since fall of 2015? <laughs> not really. Nope. Not at all. They not skipped it. Thing. Yeah. Not uh, ever since they decided uh, to just shelve Spectra. <laughs> and just don't turn. On, don't look at any media anywhere or anything. Yeah. You'll be fine. You know nothing's happened. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, 
I'm interested to hear your uh, first reaction to that Bond trailer before we get an Irishman talk. Yeah, it was all right. All right, no, cool. It, it rocked. It was it slapped hard, as the kids say. Um, nice. Yeah, fired up about it. I think this is it's going to continue the every other movie is great and every even movie is underappreciated trend. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, think just, they uh, think they end on a high note here, or do they they end on a low note with uh, uh, Daniel Craig? Probably high note, but it all depends on who does the song. So I think mm. that's Florida Georgia Line. Should they Post yeah, it get it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Florida Georgia Line. Notice, <laughs> noted Brits. I mean, they could just use the Windows Down song because Bond's driving all over the place. Yeah, is Jungle Wumba still together or are they <laughs> broken up? Heart they are. Man. <laughs> I, <laughs> the Florida Georgia ones, uh, I'm, I can't say it on the show, but there's a great pun on Aston Martin. That they're going to use, and so I'm pumped for Florida Georgia's work on that. For sure. What they should really do is bring back Radiohead. Um, I know. That song's really you know, good. They have versions of that. Was it Spectre? I guess they were. Yeah, they uh, synced up the song with the movie, where you can download. The, I guess watch the movie with the Radiohead version, and it's great. Yeah, I should have should have done that. The Adele but. song was good too. One before that, they've been going the. The Jack White Alicia Keys one was a little weird, but it, mm-hmm. the but they've done a pretty good job lately with the songs. I'm trying to think who's a big hot new British band. I don't know. Don't know. Has Coldplay ever done one? They're not really Bondy, but they nope. I could see them doing one. They Arctic have Monkeys. One. The actual the actual rumor is um, Dua Lipa, but we'll see if that actually. Mm. Oh, okay, that could be don't, cool. Don't know who that is. Uh, she's the new rules girl. Like, I yeah. Mean, you know. Yeah. Come on. Get that All on right. Netflix. All right. <laughs> so this is a movie, mm. The Irishman, that um, comes to us via Netflix this time around. It did have a little bit of a theatrical release. Mason, did you see it in the theater? Uh, twice. Yeah, twice. Nice. Look at you. Saw it in the theater twice? Really? Yeah. Yeah, they... Uh, I'm for those who don't know, which probably is you guys. I'm a New York local, <laughs> so they took over uh, this Broadway theater called the Blasco, and they played it. I think the yeah, I network was playing there beforehand, and they yeah, and they had like a month free, and so they threw it in there. So I, you know, oh, you could just go. Uh, oh, oh, so you could go see it for free, or you? Uh, no, it's just a month. Was, off oh no. The, the, oh okay. Yeah, I thought yeah, you meant they, they were get that you could just <laughs> sign up and go see it, and they were just screening it for free. That would like, be a great promotion, honestly. Yeah, no. It would be. It was. I mean, tickets were like seventeen dollars for the whole house. They oh, didn't do the Broadway like seating thing, but mm. yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty cool. It was quite an experience, and I just nice. couldn't limit myself to one. So trip. you spent yeah. like what a total of fourteen hours in that theater, seeing it twice. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot yeah, of. I grew. Yeah, a lot of Irish. Pretty great. Uh, that's 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 actually cool. I I I didn't know you uh you saw it in the theater. I did not get a chance to, oh. um, unfortunately, but uh, but. Fortunately for Netflix people, um, you know, it does lend mul- for multiple viewing. So I did watch it multiple times um, nice. before doing the, the podcast. So that's something I would not normally get to do a uh, normal theater experience on my normal schedule. So that, that was good. You can be able to pause, rewind, come back, revisit, do the subtitles, whatever you want to do with this one and uh, really ingest it. It was great. Um, so... Having said that, Martin Scorsese has been in the news a lot lately. Um, we, ha- we have avoided talking about it. I totally am aware of that. Um, 
you know, people who wanted us to touch on the Marvel stuff, him, all that. We've talked a little bit about it in our Discord channel with our VIPs. So if you're one of those people, um, you probably know how we feel about it already. But, you know, I, you know I'll just say this about it in relation to this film because, you know, he, he talks about that those are just roller coaster rides. They're self indulgent, like they're uh, characters that you can't relate to. They're they're too uh, bombastic. Well, this is the most self indulgent, like bombastic, over the top thing you could ever do. Like, and no reason to do it other than like I'm Martin Scorsese and I want to do this and can do it if somebody is willing to give me the amount of money. Right? There's no real need for this if that makes sense and so i just think it's hilarious that he goes and runs his mouth about that kind of stuff and then drops a 300 million dollar movie on netflix where it's like hey look at me i'm martin scorsese look how awesome i am at directing um look how awesome these actors are which is great and you know i i'm not going to take that away from the movie but it's just funny how you how um I don't know. I I couldn't help but think of that at the end of this. Like, wow, that was definitely great, but there was nothing like inherently genuine about any of it, any of what was going on there. Right? It's totally just like a uh, I don't even know how to put it. Like, um, for the fun of the game, uh, for the love of the game, kind of a movie, you know. And and that's fine. And luckily, Netflix gave them the three hundred million dollars because no one else would, and this movie would not exist without them. So. Um, Luckily, uh, it does exist, and we're here to talk about it. So we're going to get some general thoughts in. We've got spoilers coming up, and we're going to tell you about how you can learn a lot more about The Irishman in a special mm. teaser we've got coming up that should interest uh, a lot of the listeners out there. So stay tuned for that. But uh, let's go around the uh, table, and uh, we'll give some general thoughts here on The Irishman. Um, I'll save my main general thoughts for a little bit later, but we'll start off with B. Gill. How about you, Brian? Yeah, I saw this uh, over the last week. I, I did. I watched it in in bits, um, which I'm sure is exactly how uh, Marty wanted me to watch the film. Uh, to watch it in small chunks on a Motorola Razor. Um, that's <laughs> that's what I did. I don't, that's the official. The official I watched movie it on watching like, platform. Of yeah, the, of I, I watched it on contact there. lenses that are like <laughs> just prototype contacts. Like, yeah, yeah. I watched yeah. it on my yeah on my Motorola Razor. Um, but it had been recorded with Google Glass prior. <laughs> I pirated it um, from a Google Glass feed. So uh, you see, Brian, on that, uh, Brian, that's just disrespectful because you gotta you gotta play it through the Nintendo Wii. If you're not putting it through the Wii, then why yeah. bother? Yeah, the, yeah, AV cords only. No HDMI. I did it through the uh, Nokia uh, thirty three ten. You know the one with the round dial pad because I want it had the kind of vintage <laughs> dial pad on it. So I thought that was tasteful. Yeah. <laughs> rigged up your virtual boy to screen the Irishman, right? And just red, just red lines. Yeah. Everyone was just yeah, red, all lines. red. It was, it was great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't see for like That's eight great. weeks. It yeah. was wonderful. Yeah, I did. I, I watched it. Uh, I watched it in two sittings pl- plus like ten minutes. I had ten minutes left on it when uh, we hung out this weekend. Kit, Richard, and I, we all hung out this weekend. I had to leave to to catch up with you guys, and so. I came back Saturday and, and watched 10 minutes of it, which is a strange, strange way to end it. But, um, you know, it, it's very well acted. Uh, it's very well directed. It's, it feels 
uh, it feels like a movie, you know, it feels like a, a, it feels like the cinema. And I love that about it. It's a, it's a, that's a cool thing that, um, you know, Marty Scorsese is Scorsese. He can say whatever he wants and we can, whatever. I don't know if we want to give credence to it. It doesn't really matter to me. He's, he's earned the right to just kind of say what he wants to. Um, and he's not wrong about the concept of the blockbuster film being a roller coaster and, and all that kind of thing. I, you know, I would certainly say, Hey man, you probably took it too far in about 12 different counts, but that's whatever. I don't, it's, it is what it is. Uh, but he, he's not wrong about the, 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 the concept that like, um, there are, there are movies that there are films that feel like films and feel like the cinema and they just kind of have that atmosphere to them. And that's not always, uh, Dr. Strange, four you know and, and that's fine that's fine um and i love all those movies too so it, it, to me it's a it's a both and situation but uh if it's not for scorsese then i don't you know it's fine whatever uh so i dig that i dig that that kind of 70s vibe to it uh i thought that was great the the cinematography is awesome um i don't care about this movie it's a we i have a very it's very odd to me because i, I sat and i watched it and i thought gosh this is a really good film and it was over and I just was like, well, okay, I'm I'm done. I don't I don't know that I'm going to revisit it. And if I do, I maybe I'll appreciate it more. But it feels more like a film to appreciate than a, a movie to really love for me. And as a result, it just it it, it left a feeling of a, a bit of hollowness for me. And, and, uh, I expect to be the low grade on this and that's totally fine. And I, I think it's a very fine film and deserves a lot of the, the acclaim that it's getting. Um, but I've also seen Goodfellas and, and I, I don't know, I don't know that this is an, it certainly is an improvement to me on Goodfellas and there's, I don't know, there's crossover that, that I left me kind of at a place where I'm like, I'm not certain how completely necessary this was. Uh, for me personally, but, but that, again, that doesn't take away from the performances are great and it looks great. And, uh, the, the aesthetic is awesome and all that stuff. I didn't think that the runtime was, it didn't, I didn't feel like it, it ran long. I mean, it's three and a half hours long and, and I could probably cut some out of it if I, if I wanted to, but it, it wasn't one that was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm looking at my watch and can we please get this over with? Uh, so that, you know, that's worth something. It just wasn't, it's not a movie that really resonated with me the way that I, uh, I guess I expected it would given all of its pedigree and, and it's kind of overall quality. So that's me. Yeah. The edge. You want to go for it? How dare you? Right. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think it's no surprise that me asking, uh, to chime in on this one, uh, that I kind of adore it, uh, mm. I I just think you're wrong about this, Brian. No, um, I loved it. I think it's it's top Scorsese for me, probably top 10 ever at this point um, mm. with the possibility to rise. And I just, I kind of, everything you said, I don't mean to be a jerk, but everything you said, I kind of feel the opposite of this movie sure. kind of That's filled great. me up yeah. completely. Like, I, I don't know how you could look at what Al Pacino's doing and not just feel like you've been, you've had a new life breath breathe into you because he just <laughs> goes for it and he's screaming and, eating ice cream and being ridiculous and the whole time while also being legitimately great and not just, you know, hoo-ha post nineties Al Pacino. Um, and I do think it has quite a bit of resonance to it. I think it's, it's in many ways a sequel to Goodfellas and that 
it sort of tackles similar subject matter, but it just kind of goes deeper. You know, sort of where Goodfellas ends with Henry Hill, uh, like standing on his uh, porch in, you know, Oklahoma or wherever, Kansas or wherever he ends up, is sort of where this movie begins. It's like, what happens after you've kind of had your fun, you know, fun being a relative term here, you know, shooting people in the face and stuff. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's just about kind of the actual implications of that life. And I think it just extrapolates on something Marty's done so well already and it kind of goes deeper with it and Goodfellas is a great movie but I don't really feel anything about that movie you know Tommy DeVito's death and a death in this movie are kind of similar in the sense that they kind of are the anchor for the movie however in that one DeVito kind of deserved to die and in this one the person that dies does not deserve to die and you're kind of which is not something I expected to feel coming out of a Scorsese mobster movie and I just think this, it feels like it has a lot more care and a lot more love put into it than, than his previous work. And really anything I've seen in the, at the movies in the last five or six years, really. I think it's one of the, one of the all-timers. I really do. Man, I certainly, uh, certainly see both sides of, of, uh, of it, man. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's long, but also, I mean, technically proficient, you know, mm-hmm. so at the same time, when you're um, maybe overwhelmed by it, it it's like so. Um, I don't know. Scorsese is just such a master at his craft that it's like, and a master of montage, and just and just meticulously thinks of everything he does ahead of time, and it's just so amazing to see him mason at this stage in his career do something like this you know because 77 yeah yeah you would think like (laughs) over time somebody of his stature would like maybe i don't know take the take the foot off the gas a little bit so but you know instead he's making movies that are 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 this big which is which is interesting um but from a story standpoint this didn't really connect with me um much at all um you know, I just think this is this material has been done so much and has been done well so much, you know. We're talking about you know, Goodfellas for me is, you know, if I was to rank the top 10 best movies of all time, it might be in there, you know. Um and I certainly think The Godfather and Godfather Part 2 are in there. Um and so uh, you not to say this is the same at all. Um but, you know, I just from where what I want or need in a movie, this was not it. Uh, from a subject matter standpoint, but from a filmmaking standpoint, like how this was done, the cinematography, the lighting, the performances, the uh, the whole technique um, behind how they de-age these people. And let me say, you know, I think that it's completely monumental for that alone. You know, we could probably talk about this movie just for that, and and say. You know that it's going to be this most imp- one of the most important movies ever because of that alone. You know, and and maybe it will. You know, in the end, maybe in twenty years, that's all people remember is oh, that was that movie where um, they de aging became a real thing, and it wasn't like a maybe a, as uncanny as even you know a movie like Gemini Man that was a month or two months ago. You know, that was like doing going for the same thing, but just wasn't quite there. Um, for me, this was all the way there. Uh, you know, I was talking to Richard this past weekend when we were recording our throwbacks. Um, 
about this. He hadn't watched it yet. And for me, it was a very odd experience of it. The, the line blurred so much of what was de-aged and what wasn't that I completely forgot what Robert De Niro looks like now, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, does he, does he look good now? Does he look old now? You know, like I had to go watch some interviews with him currently to see like, oh, the current state of Robert De Niro looks like this. It's not like the beginning or the end, you know, like you would think somewhere along the line in the movie, you'd be like, okay, here's where he is now. And these are the de versions or the makeup versions. Like it, the line was completely, I just didn't know, you know, I certainly knew the, the younger ones because the way, you know, Scorsese tends to light things, it's very know, pastel almost and shiny and it, and it looks like plasticky, you know, to a certain extent and almost like Norman Rockwell painting kind of uh, quality, uh, you know, especially in these period piece kinds of movies. But, you know, so that stuff looked a little bit rough on De Niro, but everything else with Pesci, with, with uh, Pacino, I mean, that stuff, like, I could not tell at all what was the age, what wasn't, what was makeup, what was CG. It was a masterpiece from that, from that perspective. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I, it was, it was, it was hard for me because it felt like, wow, this is a movie about Jimmy Hoffa. But then, you know, you get to the end, you're like, wow, this is a movie about Frank Sheeran, you know, and it really does kind of come full circle in that way. And the way it starts out, I, I just love the first, like, 20, 15, 20 minutes of it. And maybe that's probably my favorite part of the movie is kind of the setup of it and maybe the ending. But everything in, in the middle is just – it's kind of tough to get through in terms of, uh, um, I mean – the setup from point A to point B kind of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of a lapse there. Uh, and so that was kind of the main, uh, the main takeaway for me uh, on that forefront. But uh, let's pass the baton over here to Richard and get his general thoughts on The Irishman. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny hearing all these opinions. I think we're all kind of different, which is good. I think this will make for a good episode. I, I'm, I thought this... Opposite of you, Kent. I thought this. I thought the aging was terrible in a lot of places. I thought everyone looked like Ken dolls and weird. Um, I thought some of the uh, <laughs> performance parts were really uh, sloppy in parts and loose, and you know, kind of like almost seemed like they only had one take to get it done, but did. And I thought, and to argue with you a bit, Mason, I thought I I didn't care. I thought the Jimmy Hoffa stuff was the worst part of this movie, and Pacino was. I could have used a anyone else is that <laughs> but all that being said i love love loved love this i thought it was great i don't know why i found myself transfixed by it i don't know i'm so confused by it because there's so many little things to nitpick um and i'm sure if i had seen it on a big screen too mace i would have been even more blown away and maybe the de-aging would have worked a little better i thought the de-aging worked okay when they were at an angle but any of the, that first de-aging shot with with uh frank in the car yeah. and the truck is That's so rough. bad and that really sets the tone for it in a weird way. It's like, why open with that? Whenever it was dead on, it just looked so... Yeah. I played a long time ago. Uh, I'm not a big gamer, but I played the like Godfather game, which was like... Um, it was basically like on the GTA engine, and they just made it around the Godfather plot, and you go around and you do these missions. And it was just basically the first part of this movie. It's like you're in the 40s and 50s, and it looked better than that shot in the movie. Uh, and this was a Xbox game from 15 years ago. All that being said, loved it. Uh, loved especially the first until Hoffa shows up. Um, I really, I was like, this is so good. I just like the kind of like 
Frank going out doing missions for Joe Pesci <laughs> and kind of earning his way into that Philly <laughs> yeah. mob. I thought that was awesome. Same. I loved it. Um, the Hoffa style, I mean, it's not bad, but it's just, I thought it was worse than, I thought the movie was, and I understand you have to tell that story. That's the interesting part of the story, and it makes the story macro with the Kennedys and everything, but I just didn't, I didn't care as much about it, whereas I really loved Russell and I loved Frank a lot. Um, whereas Hoffa, I just didn't, he just seemed annoying to me, which he was, which is why he got whacked or whatever happened to him. Um <laughs> but that was good. And then the, the only part I did not care for in this movie, and it's a three-and-a-half-hour movie, I, I did not need the epilogue, like, really into the nitty-gritty of aging at the end. After he kills Hoffa, it just goes into this literally 36-minute piece of, like, and then I needed a cane in jail, and I couldn't get a cane, but my medicine worked pretty well. I mean, it worked okay. It was an okay medicine. And then uh, and then I went and picked out my casket. That was cool. Daughter's still not talking to me. Uh, and you're yeah. like, okay, where's this going? Where's this going? And then it's like, oh, I'm just going to be in this room for a while. And then it ends. And you're like, okay. I understand that humanizes it and all of that, but it's just like I, it seems so anticlimactic after this this build to him finally, you know, his showing his ultimate royalty is to Russell, who saved him and gave him this life. Um, and sorry to spoil. I went in a little bit of spoiler there. Golly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could, you got. Um, well. But. Uh, but yeah, I just I didn't I didn't need all that stuff. But um, uh, the the most of the film I just ad- adored um, and loved it. But the but the particular some of the particulars I quabble with. Wow, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty all over the, all over the, the place. It's very random for us. Yeah, I man, I I really <laughs> I I thought the I thought the CG was was um, unbelievable. Like I I could not. I really, I mean, I saw, I, I noticed it in areas, but like it never was a was a thing, you know. Um, and I mean, to do what they did with this, like I understand why it, it costs so much. I mean, to to do the de aging from like through glass and like in the dark and like all these different scenarios and moving and having the actors be able to do the free range stuff is actually uh, was incredible to me. Brian, how did you feel about the? Uh, the CG stuff. You don't really I'm closer. Touch on I'm closer to Richard on it. Uh, oh man, that first sequence was was horrible. Really? And, um, and I know that was a big, a big point discussing, or excuse me, a big talking point in our Discord with Batman Shane and such. Uh, I I thought I just was like, well, this right off the bat, I was like, well, not good. That did not work out, guys. Uh, and it got it was much less noticeable in other places. But even some of the times, I was like it didn't really feel like it went far enough. Like you, you said, can't, you felt like you couldn't tell, you know, who, what Bob De Niro even looked, well, I'm going to get in trouble now for calling him Bob's and we're going to get a bad iTunes review for that. Uh, (laughs) I'm writing it now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that you couldn't, anyway, you, you said you couldn't remember even what Robert De Niro looked like by the end of it. And I I was like, I think that's a, that's probably true, but I kind of went the opposite route with it. I was like, but the, this has not gone far enough. Like we're going way far back in, in the history of this guy's life. And it's not that I want him to look like teenage Robert Downey Jr. in, in civil in Avengers or whatever, mm-hmm. but, but there wasn't, it, it almost felt like there was a point at which I was like, maybe we should have just done some makeup guys. Like this isn't really yeah, adding same. all that much to it. And it just kind of feels, especially uh, making like his an, eyes an blue on top of that distraction yeah. places. And now again, the- there's plenty of spots where I, I'm, I didn't notice it, and so 
I guess it mm-hmm. is mission accomplished across the board, but where it doesn't work, it's very jarring to me. Mm-hmm. And it was it was hard to to overlook that. I thought it worked better I, on Pesci. Wishy, yeah. the, I did too, it worked yeah. better on Pesci yeah. for me. They added those blue eyes to De Niro too to make him Irish. I thought the yeah. Irishization mm-hmm. was more terrible than the de aging because yeah. then that made him look even more avatar-y. Yeah, I do want to. I want to follow up with you, Arby. Like I'm 100 percent with you. I loved the first hour or whatever yeah. this when he's just kind of the bag man for for Pesci or whatever. I thought that was really interesting and cool stuff. And look, I knew nothing about this. I didn't read the book. I didn't read any look at any of the source material. I didn't I don't even think I watched a trailer for this. I had no background on this whatsoever. And then when it just becomes like a Jimmy Hoffa biopic for an hour and a half, I was very confused and wasn't wasn't nearly as into that as I was the the prior act, I guess. If if this whole movie was just was that part, you know, and, and, and cut out the Hoffa stuff, I think I would I would be much further towards your side of things, Mason. The the Hoffa stuff just didn't... Yeah. I don't know if it was just that it, it took me by surprise because I wasn't prepared for what the movie was going to be about or, or what, but I, I just was kind of... I mean, I sat back and I was like, I mean, it's, 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 it's good. The performances, these are, these are solid, but it wasn't... It, re- it was not the story that I was interested in within this whole thing. Yeah. Neither. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. So we are. But I do think that part was prescient with the workers and the labor things. That's kind of very prescient right now with with sure. politics and things. So I liked that part of it. I thought understanding that what it teaches people about what Teamsters are and what they did, both good and bad, uh, for like the working class in this country. I think I really get why you would want to include that in a in this time. Um, because that's been so, uh, for better and for worse, kind of defeated uh, mm. by both, like, the law with the mafia and by, like, corporate overlords that don't want to pay truck drivers $80 an hour or whatever. Um, but that shows that it's, yeah, I think that's a really important lesson to learn that that, of, 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 the movie does a great job of explaining who Hoffa was and how big he was when it says it's bigger than Elvis and he was bigger than the Beatles and he, and he was. And he was this huge, really important icon to a lot of American, you know, people put foot on the table because of this guy. And that's really cool. Um, I just didn't, I didn't care about him as like a protagonist at all. Man, I'm, I'm with you, uh, Mason, on, uh, on Pacino, man. Uh, to me, coming out of this, I was most impressed with Pesci and Pacino. And uh, I guess it looks like they were the ones that got nominated for the Golden Globes. Um, but coming out of this, I was like, dude, how do you draw the line of who gets what nomination for this. Cause everybody was just so, so bringing it like Ray Romano was great in this. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, he's so good. Jesse Plemons is great in this too. Um, there's like a lot of just random great performances in this. And, and I thought De Niro was, uh, was fantastic. Like to me, this was like some of the best De Niro that I've ever seen. Um, where, how do you feel about that Mason on, uh, on his his performance and uh what what did you come out like uh i guess most impressed with this um hmm. i guess i think the the two sort of the they're all doing something kind of different you know pesci isn't playing uh the pesci of goodfellas or mm-hmm. home alone one two yeah. for that matter <laughs> like he's like pretty toned down 
Yeah, like in Goodfellas, when he gets mad, he you know shoots Spider a bunch of times and kills him. And in this movie, when he gets mad, he sets his drink down, gives a hard glare, and then it cuts to a bed of guns as you know De Niro goes on a hit. So it just um, so him playing in type is great. Just to see that he has that other gear is really really awesome. It kind of makes me bummed that he sort of disappeared because I feel like we missed out on about twenty good years of Pesci. But I guess he's more of quality than quantity. Um, and like I said, Pacino, he's kind of in his 90s doing his Pacino yelling thing, but it's just so darn fun to watch. And in the actual serious moments, I think he does a pretty good job, mostly towards the end. You, you really do feel, uh, feel, I guess, his, well, I don't even know what to describe it, sort of despair and his desperation to get, not even his power back, to get his life back in a way. I thought that was really yeah. well handled. And then De Niro pretty much put the movie on his shoulders and unlike you rb I, I get i get why it's not aesthetically pleasing it's kind of in a way like the the end of goodfellas you know when he's all messed up and it's shot to make you uncomfortable this kind of is too dealing with aging because they do uh, i don't know if can't even, i don't really know the filmmaking term what's good or bad but they desaturate it the further the movie goes on mm. so then by the end it's pretty almost a black and white yeah feels really cold and which I thought was effective and it's, you know, and De Niro is just awesome in it and he's vulnerable and you really don't see that from quote unquote tough guys like him. And I just thought that was really sobering. And, uh, I really, I, I kind of want all three of them to win an Oscar. That's not possible, but I'm just going to pull for it until it doesn't happen. But, um, yeah, I just think this is some of the best work the three has ever done. And yeah, but like you said, Ray Romano was also pretty killer. He's, he's so great. Yeah, great surrounding cast, man. Yeah. I love I love Romano. That was awesome. I love Bob, Bobby Cannavale. Cannavale's great too. Uh, yeah, I mean everybody. Yeah, he's, Maniscalco. Yeah, I would have liked this movie Romano's more. Lots of. I, I would like this movie more with Romano as Hoffa and Bobby Cannavale as Frank same, or whatever. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I think I think I'm probably in that same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the self awareness of Scorsese to do. Uh, the you know he's known for the tracking shot in Goodfellas, <laughs> and to open yeah. this movie with the tracking shot in a nursing hilarious. home is hilarious. Is awesome. <laughs> like, here's what you're gonna get. It's like, and I actually love the template of this of like and like the nursing home. Uh, Frank talking mm-hmm. to the journalist. I like of, the. I mean, you never really see the journalist, but you kind of his perspective. And the I love the narration. I thought De Niro just absolutely nailed like his whole delivery of the narration and the character of that. Um, and just Scorsese directs that kind of stuff makes such a difference in his films, you know, um, that a lot of directors don't pay attention to like the nuance of that, you know? Um, and, you know, I mentioned the montage earlier, but this whole movie can, you know, you can condense so much of this with montage that, uh, it's like you could take, I don't know, two hours out of this by like doing two extra one minute montages, you know, with him doing some narration over it, you know? Uh, and so it's like, it's funny that what he picks and chooses like, okay, this is going to be a scene and this is not, this is going to be a montage and and so on when he kind of adapts these long stories. And, uh, and so the stuff that he, you know, he did was great. I thought, you know, throwing the guns in the river, um, you know him going and beating up his daughter's boss and and all these little moments that of course as he chooses to highlight i thought were really great you know there there is a lot of stuff that's 
just just old dudes talking for a long time, you know, and yeah. old old's gonna old, you know, kind of stuff, and that's fine. But you know, I thought for the most part it, it delivered on all that, and and um, you know, the the hit on on uh, Joe Gallo, uh, the you know Ranger great Joe Gallo, Joey Gallo. <laughs> um, that scene. You hadn't struck out so much, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, he would be still be alive if put, wouldn't put the hit out. John Daniels was livid from from Gemini Man and, or Terminator or whatever he was in, and uh, yeah, somewhere Ron Washington is yeah. smiling. <laughs> the the thing about that scene, like, really came unexpected, you know. And it, like he goes out, you know, he's going to his family, and then here comes Frank, you know, and it, right when he's talking about you got to. You gotta, uh, I guess, scout places before you, you know, go there. So you gotta go in the bathroom, right? And he's talking about all these things, and uh, and when you're kind of in the mob, yeah. what you have to do to kind of keep your head on a swivel, you know, so to speak. And then mm-hmm. here comes De Niro. It's so great, and you know, there's several moments like in the movie, but it's not ne- nearly as visceral as Goodfellas. But I felt like it had enough memorable moments. But it's just spread way more thinly than Goodfellas is spread, you know, and. Um, it's, it's about the consequence of a life in that, you know, more than it's about the glorification of that. And, and here's the camaraderie that I've gained from it. It's like, here's the, uh, negativity that it's brought on me, you know, and that, that's such a poignant way to end the, in the movie, you know, on, on that shot with, uh, with Frank, you know? And so, you know, so yeah, it, it really, I don't know. It's more of a slow burn, but I don't feel like it's any less intense of a burn as as his other uh, as his other movies. You know, I, it feels like a retread in some areas, but at the same time, it feels like an, a necessary complement to that. You know, it, so it's hard for me to kind of arrive where, whether I like feel like this should exist, but I'm not like angry that it exists. Does that make sense? Like, I trust me. I love Scorsese and I love everything he brings. And so it's like a catch twenty two of, of of this being one of my favorite films of the year, but also thinking it's totally unnecessary, you know. And so it's it's hard for me to kind of arrive uh, that uh, completely. So I'm gonna pause here and uh, give you an early weekly recommend. Well, ma'am, fam, you're definitely familiar with the Irishman if you're listening to our review of the Irishman. But did you know you can learn a lot more about The Irishman by listening to a different podcast? You can listen to this three-part companion official podcast from Netflix called Behind The Irishman. Each episode features interviews with cast and crew, including Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. And you can hear the story of the real-life Irishman himself, Frank Sheeran. And as we've touched on, Martin Scorsese fought a lot to get this on the screen because of some of the groundbreaking technology behind it. And you can also learn more about that groundbreaking technology with Industrial Light and Magic on Behind the Irishman. The podcast is hosted by co-star of the movie, who plays crazy Joe Gallo, Sebastian Maniscalco. And honestly, this is a must-listen for any fan of The Irishman, and honestly you if you're listening to this podcast. The Irishman is one of the most fascinating movies I've seen in a long time, not only for the story, but when it comes to how they actually made the film. This is the first standalone podcast that Netflix has launched for a dedicated single film. So be wary of spoilers. Watch The Irishman before you check out Behind the Irishman. But trust me, it's worth your time. Just search for Behind the Irishman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podcast, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
So Behind the Irishman definitely gets my weekly recommend. So getting back to some of our favorite parts of The Irishman, um, Brian, what what stuck out for you? What was kind of the most memorable? Like if you were if you're gonna recommend this to a friend and say, God, that scene was was great. Mm. What what would you what would that scene be for you? You know, like I said, I, I really like that first. I guess it's an act. The first act where he, where he's just it's him breaking into the game and. Uh, the various things that, and it, so it's laundry, really not like I mean, trash yeah, in the I mean, laundry place. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. The, the stealing the meat and selling sabotaging it to, things. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I mean that, that felt, that felt very classic Scorsese in, in a good way to me. And I, Oh, I love, I love that stuff. Uh, the whole sequence with him and the, the, the Jewish laundromat that turns out to, to be owned by, or at least in part by Angelo and the way that he goes about, um, rectifying that and stuff was a really that was a great that was a great sequence for um for the for this kind of movie and i thought it was interesting too the way that then this again is a to me is is a classic scorsese note and a way to do things but the pause the two second pause to put up a a little uh bio for everybody who died yeah yeah yeah, shot three times in the head in a parking lot you know over and over again was a was a funny little little bit that uh, that I thought added some some color to the movie and kept it uh, from from becoming a drag. So I dug that stuff too. But yeah, like the whole sequence of him just breaking in and becoming who he was, becoming the you know, this guy was was very interesting and engrossing and entertaining too and uh that's again that's another thing that Scorsese does really well is he makes really bad people and really bad circumstances entertaining despite their uh awfulness and whatnot and and that was you know, well, big time on display in in the first the first chunk of this. Yeah, Mason. What about you? Uh, I think anything in that. <laughs> it's fun to say the last hour and a half because there's two hours before it. But pretty much that last hour and a half, I think, <laughs> is gangbusters. Um, I, the the final sort of sequence, the Detroit sequence, which we're not pulling spoilers yet, is obviously great. But I love the Frank Sheer and Appreciation Night. Just from beginning to end, I just think that's so great. Uh, you, you, we actually you get your only uh, Pesci and Pacino scene, and then you get Pesci sort of saying it's what it is, kind of a deal, and Frank trying to convince uh, you know uh, Jimmy to cool down is happens there, and it's just it, it, that felt the most kind of classic Scorsese of just a bunch of people at a party talking about stuff, uh, you know, mm. knowing that somebody in there is gonna get you know, killed and trying to figure out if it's going to be who it's going to be pretty much. And um, it's just, Mm -hmm. I just love, and one of my overall things I love about this the most is that is possibly the most heavy mafia movie we've seen in the last 20 years or so, but it doesn't sound like it. It doesn't kind of retain the sort of language i guess of what people think goodfellas is about like nobody's saying forget about it and crap like that it's just it's so clean and simple and Mm. you know you really wouldn't know these are lines from a mafia movie if you didn't know they were from a mafia movie Um, like turning it is what it is into something that feels like it's kind of a part of that lexicon i just think is kind of just really awesome and sort of marty sort of reacting to people sort of (laughs) missing the point from goodfellas and he does that a lot outside of the script, but um, that all kind of comes to a head in that in that party scene. I think it's great. 
Yeah, the party scene at the end is, uh, is I think, or towards the end. It's in the last hour and a half, like you said, Mary Mason. is definitely the highlight of that, mm. seeing all those people together. Yeah, that's a great one. Richard, it's a great to you piece. It looks beautiful. It's really fun. Um, and seeing those actors interact, yeah, that's definitely the highlight of that. Um, you know, and the, and the return of Hoffa after jail and all that is, <laughs> is fabulous. Um, but, uh, yeah, and the Detroit part's cool. You know, I don't need to see the plane take off and land both times. Feel free to trim those. Uh, I know how planes work. That's a good four minutes you can trim off, uh, Marty, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> who's going to tell him, right? But yeah, it's great, and 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 the the sort of we'll go, we'll go into the specifics of Detroit here, and we'll get the heavy spoilers. But it's it's uh, the way that takes place worked for me too, and it's it's in uh, the way these. Okay, well, the, I love the, the sort of machismo of I was in the war, and the sensitivity of De Niro in that, where he's like he's got to take out his friend, and his his ultimate loyalty is to Russell. And you can see the pain yeah, we're in, that gets we're in spoilers. so Go macho yeah, and so, you know, like Catholic tough that he's never going to reveal that that really broke his heart. And uh, and, and the, the no drama of that, all right, all right, Frankie, let's get out of here. And then it's just over. Um, really worked and is, is, is real and feels feels authentic in a way that the, mm. the movie, it really sums up the movie in that way. Because a lot of the violence in this is so... It's not played up. It's just super authentic. Someone puts a gun in your face and kind of blows your brains out. Um, and it's sudden and it's not glamorized in a way, even you know, even though it's still Martin Scorsese shooting it, so it's inherently pretty. But like it's it's so uh it's so uh brute but not brutal. It's it's a weird kind of perfect way to do that, I thought, in a in a real way. Yeah. And it, especially in the Hoffa scene where it's just, okay, now it's over for you. You were you were a pain in the butt. Now you're dead. Some of the quintessential Scorsese stuff that I liked was uh I love the slow mo, like high frame rate shots that he does with the music. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the still the night, I mean he does in this. Um the scene where with the shooting at Columbus Circle with uh you know like the, all the gun the hands like grabbing the gun slow mo and like some of those touches that he does are are great to me but he also has such a great sense of humor with his editing you know and i feel like the films really come together with, with him in the editing room and and that's i bet that's such an exciting thing to be a part of because um you know and he the kind feminine of feminine touch of uh of, of space almost I never, I never know how to say name. Schoonmaker, Schoonmaker. Yeah. yeah, she's the MVP yeah. of this movie. I think yeah. more than anybody. Yeah, kind of. Totally um, he uh, he totally, I don't know, has has complete control. Obviously, but I would love to see uh, to see what this would be like the director's cut version because I bet there isn't even like a <laughs> four hour long version of this. I bet even uh, you know even this is is like the con- contained version of what. Scorsese could have done uh, with this whole thing, but um, man, there's so much, so many memorable sequences, like the guns on the bed where he's trying to choose which one to do, and talking about why he takes certain guns to certain places, and um, you know the frozen fish thing in the back seat is great as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, this one's this one's tough, you know. For me, where where it kind of probably falls short is it does get it's super political and it, and 
you know, almost a, a cringy biopicy kind of way towards the middle, you know, the the Fritz stuff uh, and the and like the beginning of the Hoffa stuff is where it's slowest in my opinion, and uh, you know it obviously picks up energy. But you know, you talked about Richard like there's a few moments where it feels like they were really rushed and they like all right, let's just get through this and do the next thing. You know, to me, there's some of the some of the best moments in here, or or there's like two moments, one with De Niro and one with Pacino, where they like almost like forget their lines. You know, in a way, you can tell like when. And and one of them's where uh, I know exactly where Pacino's like angry about JFK, right? And he's going off in his office to all his guys about it. And but it's such a great natural moment that I bet it happened on set, and like he got through it, you know. And Pacino was like, "Oh, that sucked," you know. And then De Niro was like, "No, that was magic." I mean, uh, Scorsese was like, "No, that was magic." I promise, you know. And he ends up using those kinds of improvisations. Uh, and they end yeah, up Pacino becoming... actually said that after once they were kind of done going through their takes, he would do one like berserker take where he mm-hmm. would just go off the off the handle. And I'm pretty sure that's like 90 percent of the scenes. That you you could tell. You could totally yeah, tell. Yeah. It's like this was not planned. Yeah, and, he's yeah, like yeah. fumbling over his words a little bit. Like he doesn't know what he's mm-hmm. going to say next. And and it it comes off so as, awesome. as really natural uh, to the humanity of that. Um, and and it does give it that imp- improvisational quality, uh, but I thought this was a great screenplay, man. I and it just doesn't win best screenplay. I don't you know or what best adapted. I don't know what will you know because this was this was like like total like uh, I don't know sc- screenwriting porn or whatever you want to call it. Like it was just like you could like listen to this movie without even like watching it. You know, it was just so so um, majestic and how the words were delivered. And that was a great point, Mason, about it not being flashy in the dialogue, um, especially with Pesci. You know, he's just so toned down. And that first scene where he meets Frank really sticks out to me where he's like, where are you from, kid? You know, and he's just like, <laughs> Philly. He's like, Philly? You know, he's just like totally like... like yeah, it doesn't <laughs> like, oh, I got some friends in Philly, you know, go, go, go down there. You know, it's like, uh, I just love that about it. And... It's great to see Pesci again, man. He needs a. Yeah. I, I realize, like he, you know, he's not. He doesn't need to work with everybody, and Scorsese is the exception. But uh, great to see him in this, and amazing that Pacino and Scorsese had never worked together before. Before this, and um, this really does feel like a kind of a let's get the band back together and give it one last go kind of a movie. And mm-hmm. um, in that regards, it's it's kind of cool to see, but. Uh, but yeah, totally cocky, self-indulgent. Look at me. I'm smart as Scorsese. I'm great at making movies. Um, kind of a thing, but it uh, doesn't mean he's not great at making movies, right? Just because he uh, he can and do it, does it well. Um, so for me, it's like I am stuck between those two. But at the same time, I really enjoy what he does, and he's one of my favorite uh, people in the game. So um, that's about all I got on The Irishman. And unless you guys have any uh, closing thoughts, any other sequence. Oh, the uh, watermelon alcohol thing was funny too. I like that. Oh, it's one of the frat thing. parties are going to be just yeah. Turned up or he's like, I hate watermelon. <laughs> That's, that was a great bit. You want some watermelon? I hate watermelon. That was great. And they're just getting drunk, like sitting there talking, listening to him, or he won't. He didn't allow any alcohol at his house. Or whatever. Yeah, uh, that was great. So <laughs> that was for sure. That was great. Um, and so yeah, that's that's my last note. But I'm ready to take grades. Are you guys good? Yeah. All right. Excellent. 
I'm going to give The Irishman uh, yep. an A. Um, solid, solid movie. Um, I don't know where I'm going to rank this on Scorsese because, I mean, it's tough. Uh, it, it's really tough. It, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch a few of them, that's for sure, and this will definitely inspire that to happen. So I'm going to go a solid A with this one. Fell, sh- fell short in a few areas for me. Definitely could trim 10 minutes off of it at least and, and maybe make it a little bit tighter um, in the middle of it. And uh, and then you've got uh, a little bit, a little bit uh, maybe more towards an A-plus in my opinion. So uh, not to say that that's where it completely fell short, but that's uh, definitely contributed to it. So it's a solid day for me, though, with The Irishman. Can't wait to watch it again. What about you, Richard? Yeah, I'm going to go. You know, every, there's so many flaws in this, and it's so loose and could be tightened up and and so many things. It's an A-plus for me, though. I loved it. I can't wait to watch it 100 more times. It might end up nice. being my favorite movie this year, which I really didn't think it would be going into watching it, but I, I adored it. So, yeah, A-plus for me. Brian? Yeah, a little lower, go A-minus for me. Like I said, the outset kind of left me... Uh, emotionally hollow didn't really hit me on that spot. There's some parts that I I love, and there's no parts that I think are are bad by any means. It's it's a very well, it's a great great film from a from a filmmaking standpoint, and a lot of things I really dug about it. Uh, it just didn't it didn't quite hit me the way that I honestly the probably the way that I I anticipated that I expected to. I really thought this was going to be a top ten of the of the year for me kind of movie, and and it's not. Uh, but it's still. Uh, that you know, it's still a very, very good film that uh, that deserves, uh, you know, deserves all the love and acclaim that it's getting. So, yeah. Uh, but Mason, what about you, man? Uh, I would go. I'm going a plus on this uh, nice. easily. It's seen it four times. Uh, <laughs> already thinking about the fifth time, and when I finish it the fifth time, I'll be thinking about the sixth time, and so on and so forth until the day I die. So nice. It's kind. Of, it's one of those kind of movies that um, I don't know. You get sort of jaded every now and again when you go to the movies it's like uh you know here's now here's the scene where they do that and this is just something where it's like oh this is on a different level completely from what i'm used to seeing and the only other movie that kind of gave me that feeling this year was uh was hollywood and Mm. it's so it's it's a pretty rare uh thing to get two movies that have that indescribable feeling and i'm just pretty psyched up about it i love this movie yeah there are a few movies this year that have stuck out to me from a filmmaking standpoint just technically speaking and this is one of those and and i think uh you know for me uh that's what i look for in movies and this is as as good as i've ever seen from a from a filmmaking standpoint so on my rewatches i would that's what i'm going to be looking at i can't believe we didn't talk about the um the actual climactic scene of the movie um i didn't see that coming at that moment and so that was a really cool i guess surprise um for me what did you guys think about the death of, of Hoffa and how that was handled? Yeah, it was a surprise because, I mean, I don't, again, I don't know any of the source materials. So I don't know if that's a if that's part of the book. I don't know if that's a claim in his book. It is, yeah. That's okay. the main hook. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's interesting. I, I'm glad I didn't know because it, it added to the – it added to the suspense of the whole thing. I, I, I kind of expected we were going to get a uh, – you know, all right, Jimmy, you got to go away. You got to disappear. Exactly. I thought we, I thought we might get that, and and it's it's very quick and uh, kind of shocking in that in, in its uh, finality and and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's very well done. Very well done. Everything about this movie is extremely well done. Like, 
even as the one again, the one who graded it the lowest. Like it is, it's it is a marvel of filmmaking. If you know, if if Marty wins best director at the Oscars, it's it's obviously it's extremely well deserved. You know, it's 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 a it's a very very well made film on that front, even with the things that I didn't love about it. So where are we putting our um, our Oscar pool today? If the Oscars were on Sunday, what would win? Do you think this would win? Best picture, picture. Yeah. Um, what do you think the nominee, the the top three are like? What let's say it's December tenth right now, mm-hmm. two thousand nineteen. So just talking from December tenth, two thousand nineteen, these are the three top contenders for best picture. Man, I it's hard right now, Kent, because I can't tell. I can't tell if Marriage Story is hot right now because it just came out, uh, or if it if that's going to be the kind of buzz that carries through. I watched it today and it is one of the most brutal films of ever. Like I would rather watch five saw movies in a row than watch that again. I mean, it's so brutal, but it's so well done. It's very, very good. Um, so I, and I just, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to carry through or not. This is definitely, I would say if not the front runner, then it is for sure the, the, the top three pick when it comes to, to best picture. Just um, this and then cats and twice. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Parasite's doing really well on the on the the awards circuit thus far. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood is for sure going to win the Golden Globe. I don't. That probably means nothing. We'll see about nineteen seventeen like too. I think is the. Yeah. Ni- yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and and it's so good. Um, Little and, women. Yeah, Little Women. You got Jojo Rabbit. You got there, and then there's some lingerers. I mean, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood would be a lingerer from the summer. The farewell. Ford vs. Ferrari is I mean, one where if it's all tied, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Maybe. It could Ford like versus sneak Ferrari in there if, everything, like, if it's not a definitive yeah. winner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a. This is a really good year on the the top end. It's kind of a. I don't know if it's top heavy year or not. It's it was such a bad year blockbuster wise, but it's a really good year for. Um, for the the more awardsy type stuff that is also accessible, and that's yeah. great. That's a huge win for for us, yeah. and it's a huge win for the movie going public as a as a whole. Um, given especially again, given how blah the the blockbusters were this year, um, that that helps a lot. But it helps a lot when a movie about fish monster sex is not the prohibitive favorite for uh, speak for, for yourself, oh, man. Yeah. Does it Did help? You miss post- yeah. Tough. Did you miss help the me? Tough post-credit sequence? In that- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Go back and check that out. Yeah. <laughs> Pesci came out of retirement for a reason. Said that, fish know, was, uh, that seat was wet from a fish for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. What was um, Jesse Plummins doing in the car? Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's uh, move on, guys, and let's hit uh, a weekly recommends. All right, uh, Mason, what do you got? Uh, so I'm going to go with an album that I've been listening to a lot. No, it is not YouTube related. It's Songs quite... of Experience. You're the best thing about me. No, I don't know if you guys know the band. I really have no idea anything about them. I don't know how big they are, or how not big they are, but I just have kind of been obsessed with their album this last month or so. Uh, it is called... The album's called American Band. It's by the group 
drive-by truckers it came out in 2016 oh, yeah. um oh yeah you know what oh yeah yeah oh jason awesome. isbell used to be in that band once upon a time jason yeah. is with my favorite songwriter oh, and so word. uh yeah very very familiar yeah it's grand funk railroad too. no <laughs> american band that's, that's the only one i know i just got this one Sorry. they're an american band <laughs> and they're coming to our town they're gonna party down they're, they're, an, they're an American band, <laughs> but it's a great album. It's like, I'm sure you know Brian. It's kind of it's rock, but it doesn't like uh, really jack you up too much. It's it's sort of mellow, hard Southern rock, which is mm-hmm. kind of a weird combination of words to say. But um, I just I love how I don't know maybe it's mixed or recorded yeah. or whatever the terminology is, but it's just it's really easy listening for a sound that's really kind of hard mm-hmm. and you know. Uh, rock and roll really and yeah uh, i just I, I love the singer's voice the guitars are great it's got a good beats um just an awesome album american band by uh, drive-by truckers yeah all their stuff's really good i always say if you've never heard of drive-by truckers before it's it's southern rock if you've never heard of leonard skinner because i think everybody when you say oh southern rock they're like oh leonard skinner okay i'm out i'm not interested in that at all and yeah. i think you're you know you're right to be in that camp but it's if Leonard Skinner didn't exist, you'd be like you would say Southern Rock, and this is what I think would come up as Drive By Truckers. They're great, yeah, yeah, big fan. Nice, nice. Uh, what you got, uh, Brian? Yeah, uh, new season of uh, prob- honestly probably my favorite show on on TV, whatever TV is at this point anymore, is on Amazon Prime. Mrs. Maisel season three uh, just just kicked off this last weekend. That's mine too, it. Brian. You stole my recommend. So we'll co recommend. We we'll yeah, we can co recommend. I love it. We haven't done that in a while. Um, I, I love her. I love the movie. I love the show. I love the cast. I love the bits that they're doing. Um, I saw some reviews that were complaining about some of the B stories, and I'm I'm four four episodes, maybe five episodes in now, and I, I gotta say I love the B story stuff. I think it's yeah. great, and so I've I've enjoyed Old Vegas. There has too. not been from, always cool. Yeah, love Old Vegas. So cool. Uh, makes for a great setting. Uh, yeah, look, I, I love it. Uh, and again, I've got three episodes or so to go, so maybe it completely tanks out in the in the, the end. But um, Mrs. Maisel is fantastic and uh, hilarious and so beautifully written throughout. Uh, and so if you haven't seen the, the previous two seasons, they're both on Amazon Prime as well. The whole thing is is just fantastic. So go check that out. Richard, do you have any more to add to that? So no. Just, you mean to steal she, yours as well? You, I mean, I, Rachel, if you're out there, I'll leave my wife. That's just that's a standing off. <laughs> nice. What do you got, Richard? That's mine. It's a co-recommend. Miss yeah. Maisel is oh, we're co-recommend. Okay, double recommend. Gotcha. We like it so much that we are willing that Richard is willing to look past Tony Shaloub and I'm w- willing to look and past Kevin uh, Pollock. Kevin Pollock. I, like, it's both for me. I hate him that, too. Yeah, wow. really. <laughs> Alex Borstein. Really don't fans like. Around. I mean, she's so great in this. Uh, she's she's so great. She's it's it's a it's it's fantastic. It really is. You you and the lady yeah. would like it, can't? No, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I've out. seen the first yeah. season. Very good, but uh, very good. Not the latest one, but uh, yeah. so uh, I'm gonna recommend a TV show as well. And um, I guess it's wrapping up its first season here um, around the end of the end of the year. Uh, Watchmen, oh, really so solid. Good. Really solid. Uh, Mason, are you caught up? Um, I, I'm still recovering from last night. Okay, so it's, it's so good. Yeah, uh, we did, we discussed the pilot on our pilots episode. Pilot was really solid. Um, I think it's become um, 
just a solid throughout. I mean, it's hidden, it hit and miss on a few episodes, but um, there are some episodes that are very isolated. Like they tell a story of one character's origin, you know, through their perspective. And those have been my favorite episodes so far, but um, there's a lot of twists and turns in it. It's very um, satirical in areas, but also like cleverly plays on the original and has references to the comics. Um, this is uh, probably my favorite show of 2019. Um, I've, mm. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, and so, uh, you know, Mandalorian's been pretty strong too, but it's not my favorite of the year. But, I mean, it's what I can kind of compare it to right now because it's like every every weekend I'm watching a new episode of each. So um, I think Watchmen has been stronger from a storytelling standpoint. Um, so, you know, if you're, if you're in that kind of higher adult-oriented, uh, like uh, – sci-fi uh right now then definitely check out Watchmen on hbo it's uh you don't really need to see the movie before before um checking it out mm-hmm. uh, you can that's fine yeah um but it's it's not really like uh it doesn't play off the movie in, in much of any way except having the same characters um in, in some areas so yeah check it out it'll be good binge um here maybe uh over new year's and stuff like that uh mm-hmm. there's about eight episodes i think some of them are 30 minutes some of them are an hour uh around so so yeah check it out it's uh i, I think you guys would definitely dig it and uh the lead actress i'm not sure of her name it's i'm blanking off the top of my head mason but she uh, is regina uh, angela is her name in the uh regina Queen. king yeah, yeah um she is great in this uh and uh, Jeremy Irons is 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 amazing as well. Um, randomly, <laughs> in this, so uh, definitely check out Watchmen um, season one. I'm gonna uh, binge that over over the break. I think over Christmas break. It's a good one, but it might. I'm not sure how how much it would. Because I didn't binge it, so I can't. Yeah. I don't know if it would be sure. like, oh, this is a beating in yeah. seven episodes of it. But uh, it's one of those shows you kind of need time with it. I think it's got. Uh, yeah. I would say maybe do two or three at a time and then, uh, sure. but because mm. yeah, it gets kind of like really intense, like, um, yeah. thematically, like it, it, there's some like slavery elements, like flashing back to, you know, it flashed back throughout mm-hmm. history and things, you know, that's what a part of the story, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's well done and, and definitely, uh, I would suggest you guys check it out over your break, but, uh, Watchmen on HBO is I recommend a lot of good stuff on the, uh, on the pod tonight. Definitely check out that Behind the Irishman podcast, too, because, mm-hmm. um, like I said, a lot of stuff went into making this movie that is 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 beyond uh, what they can we, we can talk about on the show and what uh, they can tell you about on a YouTube video or interview or whatever. So Netflix put that Behind the Irishman podcast together for people to be able to go and, and learn more about how that movie was made and the process behind it and, of course, the stories behind the real people that it's based on. So check that out as well. We'll be back next week talking Jumanji, the next level, before we uh, round out the year. So with some more Oscar talk, a lot more throwbacks in the VIP. Scorsese uh, directed that too, right? He did, Jumanji. Martin Scorsese Jr. Yeah, Mm. it's like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Lawrence Kazan's kid actually directed the movies. Jay Kazan. But uh, speaking of him, yeah, we'll do Star Wars the week after that. Yeah. And uh, we got a uh, a bunch of throwbacks coming out. Like I said, we just dropped our Galaxy Quest episode uh, this week. So if you like Galaxy Quest, it's celebrating 20 years. Uh, we threw it back to that. And we've got Crazy Heart coming up. We've got the Santa Claus 
uh, dropping at Christmas and uh, some other fun throwbacks coming as well. So stay tuned for that. And thank you to our VIPs. And thank you to you, Mason, who's one of those VIPs, um, for being here and for continuing this conversation on the Discord and all those areas. So um, where could we find you online, Mason, if we were a listener and wanted to follow your uh, YouTube tweets? <laughs> Not really on the Twitter too much. I just activated it just to do a Dermot, Dylan McDermott, Dermot Maroney joke. So I'm kind of off that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> keep doing that. Only the important yeah. stuff. Really, it's, I wanted that to be my only tweet for like six years and just see how far I can push it. Uh, but no, you can actually follow me at Letterboxd to follow along with my 900 Irishman rewatches. Uh, Letterboxd.com slash Mason Merritt, two R's, two T's, if you please. There you go. Richard, what about you? You can find me everywhere on social at Richard Barden. Brian, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter, BGL12. You can find my writing about on moviespodcast.com where we will have a lot of cool stuff over the next few weeks. Some of my writing and some of our contributors writing. So be on the lookout for that stuff as well as the, uh, Metal movies podcast newsletter. Kent, what about you? Find me on Twitter at Kent Garrison and on line at Kent Garrison as well on all the other social media platforms and find our show mad about movies, podcast.com and mad about movies, podcast.com slash VIP. If you want more episodes, cause we do, like I said, multiple ones a week, and those VIPs uh, get to get that and uh, carry on the conversation off the air. So excited to do that. And uh, we'll get off the air right here. And um, I guess, Mason, get back to your rewatches. And uh, <laughs> well, you're not invited to the after party at the Madabout Movies Bar Lounge Grill and uh, Tortilla Factory. So <laughs> goodbye. All right. Yeah, all right. Until next time. Until Jumanji, we'll see you at the cinema. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling Tossed salads and scrambled eggs And maybe I seem a bit confused Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged <laughs> But I don't know what to do With those tossed salads and scrambled eggs They're calling again Scrambled eggs all over my face They're making me ya-ya yeah, yeah. The sound.